This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome, everybody. It's Wednesday, and oh boy, do we have a great guest for you today. I am so excited to talk with three-time NBA champion, now Chicago Bulls analyst and host of the Hot Sauce podcast, Stacey King, who was an awesome NBA player. We're going to talk with Stacey King today, right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, part of Bet Rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, we are now joined by three-time NBA champion with those great Bulls teams, of course, uh, was a former first-round pick uh, a while ago now. I mean, we're all getting older, right? Stacey King is with us, Bulls analyst now, the Hot Sauce Podcast. Stacey, let me ask you this, because I was just telling you off the air that I'm I'm friendly, I'm friends with Brad Sellers. We do a show here in Cleveland, and obviously Brad was with the Bulls, and then you got drafted. He, he went on to Seattle the same year you got drafted. Uh, I asked him recently, you know, he's a little older than you are, obviously, and uh, I was like, could you play at all? Like right now, could you play one on one? Could you? And he was like, he looked at me like I had fourteen heads right there. He's like, I cannot <laughs> play at all. So I'll ask you the same question. I mean, like, what is your game looking like at this point in your life? I'm like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I'm, I'm shooting them <laughs> jumpers. I'm open as soon as I get out of my car. That's what that's what my mind tells me. The body says, you know, if I was playing a pickup game right now. Uh, my body's saying, let's just stay on one end of the court on the offensive side, right? spot up at the three-point line like today's game, and just let it rip. You know, it's funny that you say that because it feels like to me that the the players, you know, I'm 51 years old, so my era as a fan, obviously I wasn't a player, but my era of, of a fan was the 80s and 90s. To me, that was I liked that basketball the most. I'm not one of these old guys who's like, ah, basketball sucks today. I appreciate what it is today. But if somebody asks me my favorite style of basketball, for me, it started with the Celtics and the and the uh, Lakers rivalry. To me, I was a kid that was great basketball watching those teams play, and then eventually to the Pistons, and then eventually to you guys with your championships and then the Knicks and the Heat, and I, I kind of love that era of basketball, more physical style. It seems to me that the players of your era, and maybe this is unfair, maybe you don't feel this way personally, kind of look at guys like Steph Curry, whose game is all about the three-point line, which wasn't a big thing, certainly in the, in the 80s and even into the 90s a little bit as it got bigger, that guys don't look at them the same way as, as the other great players. Is that, is that fair? Is that, do you feel that way? No, I, I mean, I don't. I know I've talked to some guys um, because it's different eras, you know, yeah. um, you know, a much more physical era in the 90s. Guys had to earn every bucket. Um, you know, you every time you went to the basket, I mean, you liable to, to get hurt. Um, you know, when you have that in your back of your mind, every time you drive to the basket, someone's going to decapitate you and you still play through it, you got to be mentally tough to play through that kind of, you know, that kind of physicality. 
um, these guys are a product of their systems. You know, this is the product of the era they're in. Uh, they wanted more, you know, just like in baseball, you know, when they wanted the home runs, you know, they want the long ball. Right. And then it got out of hand, you know, and then they had to change it back up. We want pitching. It's the same thing in the NBA. You know, uh, everybody wants defense in the 90s, but now everybody wants offense. You know, they're tired of the grabbing, the holding, the hand checking. So this is a much more freer league uh, that these guys are playing in. And not taking anything away from them. They're all great players in the system that they're in. Um, you know, when you compare eras, you know, uh, they're only doing what their eras allowed them to do. You know, this is what they've come up in. If, if we would have come up in that, right. maybe, maybe you know, Michael Jordan's the all-time leading scorer. Maybe, you know, Dominique Wilkins is number two. I mean, there's a lot of things that could have transpired if, you know, if, would have, could have, should have. That's a fair point. Um, when you look at let, – let's go to game one last night, Denver and L.A. Um, Jokic is a guy who – He's won two MVPs, two of the last three, obviously, with Embiid winning this year. But he hasn't gotten it done in the playoffs. He's never He got to the Western Conference Finals in the bubble. He lost to LeBron and the Lakers. He almost has a triple-double at halftime last night. <laughs> and the Lakers made that nice run. They got back in it late. But in the end, the Nuggets hold on. If the Nuggets, and that's a big if because we're a long way to go, but if the Nuggets win it all this year, it – do you argue, or or could it be argued that Jokic is now the best player in the NBA if he caps it off with a championship? You know what 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 he's done in the last few years has been incredible. I mean, honestly, could have been right there, got a third MVP this year. Um, you know, with the way he's played. You know, Denver went through that little stretch where they lost a lot of games when they were leading the Western Conference, and then uh, they went through a stretch where he didn't play really well. And they didn't win. And that probably cost him the MVP, uh, if you ask me. I mean, our Bulls went in there, beat him at home. Yep. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're tough. It's tough. You know, we're tough. We're not a good road team this year. And we went in there and beat him at home in an altitude. So that kind of cost him. But, I mean, he's a great player. I mean, what he's doing, um, you know, this league, <laughs> tell you, this league, when you have a center that's over seven feet tall, is a point guard, bringing the ball up the floor, getting everybody involved. He's very unselfish. Uh, he doesn't need to score to be to impact the game. You know, look at the rebounds. He, he almost had, I think he had double-digit rebounds in the first, almost in the first quarter. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he makes their offense go. You know, when he, the ball's in his hands, everything really, really runs smoothly for Denver. When you take the ball out of his hands, which L.A. did more in the second half, and I think, you know, Denver took their foot off the gas a little bit and almost, you know, almost allowed the Lakers to come back. When the ball's not in Jokic's hand, they struggle. They struggle big time. And, you know, last year when you when you look at this team, you know, they talked about him, you know, being MVP, not being able to get out of the playoff round last year. But you got to remember, you're missing the second best player on that Denver team in Jamal Murray. You know, he's but he was out. He was almost out as much as Clay Thompson was for Golden State. Yep. So it takes a little bit of time to get that continuity back. Then you get Aaron Gordon came over from Orlando you know, that they had to work that fit in. Then you had, um, you know, you had uh, the kid, the young kid, Michael Porter Jr., who missed most of all last season. So, you know, now they got all their pieces back. They're playing, they're playing really good basketball. Um, I thought the game was won yesterday in transition. When they get out and run and they mm -hmm. push the ball, there's really nothing the Lakers can do. You know, because not only do they shoot threes well, but they cut and move without the basketball they don't just stand at the three-point line waiting for a pass to jack it up they make dive cuts to the basket which puts a lot of pressure on your backline defense 
Stacy, uh, obviously, when when Michael came back with the Wizards, the end of his career as he approached forty, he was still a really good player. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was still an excellent player into his late thirties and still a decent player at forty forty one. But LeBron James just turned thirty nine in December, and he's still probably one of the ten best. And and I don't know, like in a big moment, if there are many guys you'd still take over him. How remarkable is it? That he, that he, yeah, we, and we all know, obviously, it's a less physical era, but how remarkable is it that at this age, he's not only playing, but playing, he averaged 28 points this year? Well, it's, it's amazing um, because, you know, I, I played with a lot of great players. And, you know, normally after like year eight, nine, they start to decline a little bit. You start to see their game change a little bit. You saw, you know, Michael go more into the post. Yeah, so, you know, with, with Kobe Bryant, the great players, you know, as, as you know, uh, Father Time is undefeated. And, you know, you look at players like Kobe, Michael, Charles Barkley, Carl uh, Malone, Stockton, all these guys who are Patrick Ewing, Dominique Wilkins, you know, they all go through a period where they're elite athleticism, and then as they get older, their games change. They, they're they not as the high flyers that they once were. They, they go into the post a little bit more, uh, more mid-range jump shots. Um, you know, the game dictates it. Your age dictates it. To see guys like Drew Brees in football, Tom Brady in football play at 40, and then to see LeBron James, you know, creeping at 40, also talking about playing with his son in another <laughs> couple of years. I mean, that's yeah, that's impressive. It's amazing. Uh, can the, do you think the Sixers can ever win a championship with James Harden and Joel Embiid as the two best players? No, I, I don't think. And it, as much as I, I like those two guys, um, I think they're both really super individual talents. Um, I, I just don't think they're going to win. I, I think, you know, when you look at the dynamics of that team, Okay, you know, listen, if I was a guy who never played the game and, you know, I was just a guy talking from the outside, a talking head per se, I wouldn't know what goes on in the locker room. I wouldn't know the preparation that it takes to win playoff games. You know, I, I you know, yeah, I played with the greatest player on the planet. And, you know, Michael Jordan didn't leave, you know, after a game to go fly to Vegas to hang out and drink and have a good time. You know, it was business. Playoffs where you didn't see Kobe Bryant doing those things. You didn't you didn't see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Magic Johnson doing those types of things at the top of their game when they have a chance to win championships. Larry Bird. I can go down the list of every great player. And you just didn't see that. And to see like a guy like James Harden who says he loves the game and he's really serious about the game can leave and go to Vegas and then – in a big series now, you're trying to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and whoever wins this game has to be the favorite to represent the East in yep. the championship. How much more serious is that? Like, I just don't get it. And, you know, I don't know James Harden personally, and I'm not I'm not taking a – I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm that old man, get off my lawn, you know. But, I mean, you get paid a lot of money to put that basketball through the hoop. Your job is to play basketball, okay? If if you're working a nine to five and you decide that hey, I'm not going to come to work today, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go to you know to Vegas and hang out, and I'll come back when I come back. You know, you get fired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the normal person is going to get fired unless you got sick days or you got yep. vacation time. You just can't take off in the middle of the week 
and leave to go for enjoyment. You just can't. And so, you know, that's how I say that, you know, when I look at the Sixers, how serious are they about winning the championship? Fair. You know, how serious you can't blame all these coaches getting fired, you know, is ridiculous. You know, I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, if if the if a coach um, you know, his record, you know, he's not winning and, and the team is, you know, losing all the time. Okay, I get that. You need to change a different voice. But guys who've been to the championship within a three, four year period, dude, I don't think I don't think sometimes owners realize how hard it is to win a title. You know, yeah. to win one, let alone six, seven. You know, it's very difficult in this day and age where you know, you've got free agency, you've got guys teaming up, making super teams. Um, you know, it's very difficult to win one. I mean, think about how many how many teams have you seen in the last, you know, 10 years be able to string two, three in a row? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you just see one. Okay, this team wins one. Then another team wins one next year. You know, Golden State has been probably the most consistent team uh, when you look at how they've won. But take them off the board. Who? Who? What was the last team that's won two yeah. or three in a right. row? No, we're not. We don't see that anymore. No, it's it, it's, it's crazy. Hard. I agree it's with hard. you. I, I didn't understand why Monty Williams got fired by Phoenix. I thought that was an odd move. You know, they got that team thrown together at the last second. He was dealing with injuries. Chris Paul's always hurt. So I, I agree with you. But speaking of coaches, Eric Spolstra, as we all know, one of the best coaches in the NBA, has done a magnificent job. I mean, the Heat uh, barely made the playoffs. They're in the play-in, and here they barely. are. Uh, against, you know, obviously a really good Celtics team. I saw something on ESPN. They said 97% chance the Celtics win. To me, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Obviously, the Celtics should be favored. Yeah. But I, I'm never going to yeah. not give a coach like that and a player like Jimmy Butler a chance, a legitimate shot to win. What do you what do you think about that series? Oh, you know what? We, we talk about the cultures. You know, you talk about the New England Patriots had a culture of, of putting – you know, they have a system, a way yeah. they do things. If you fall in line, you'll stay there. If you don't, you're gone. You know, San Antonio had that same kind of mentality, the San Antonio way. We had it in Chicago during our championship years. Um, and now you see Pat Riley. Pat Riley brought that way from New York to Miami. You know, I right. played for Pat for a whole year. And I, I know what goes on behind the scenes. And I know what the preparation is and how serious they are about winning basketball in Miami. And Spolster, when I was there, uh, Spolcher was the camera guy. He just started working for the Heat. Like he was running around. He was the gopher. You know, he would go get some of the coaches' coffee or you know donuts and stuff, and cutting tape. And he was eager to learn. Like you could tell, even back there as a young kid, that this kid was going to he was going to work his tail off to one day be a coach. And you know, he did that. And he, and he arguably is the best coach in the NBA, yep. if you ask me. I mean, yep. hands down. I mean, you look at a team; they got seven undrafted players. Amazing. Okay, seven undrafted players, and people don't people don't want to give Pat Riley credit for this. Pat Riley was the one who originally started this this grabbing these kids from the G League or the yeah. CBA, and you know Anthony Mason came from the CBA, John Starks right. came from the CBA, you know uh, Vashawn Leonard came from the CBA uh, when he was in Miami. Uh, you know you you just go down the list. He's always been able to find these little gems, these you know the the island of misfit toys. I like to say nobody else wants them. Nobody else thinks they can play. But he finds these kids with chips on their shoulders. He brings them into Miami. He, he gets them into a system, cultivates them, uh, develops them into what he wants them to be. And 
look at a guy like Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has had a chip on his shoulder from the very first day he stepped in the NBA. You know, thought he should be drafted higher. You know, should have got a scholarship. His story is is unbelievable. His journey to the NBA, and you know, to see him flourish now, you know, because he got a bad rap a couple of years ago, being a, a coach killer, a, yep. a bad teammate, and you know, but people mistake bad teammates for a guy who's pushing his teammates to win. Yeah, fair. You know, and that's and I and when when Philadelphia, and I will go back and say this. <clears throat> when Philadelphia allowed Jimmy Butler to leave and and decided to take Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler, that was that mm-hmm. was the end of Philadelphia. That's fair. They should have kept Jimmy Butler and paid him and let because he would have pushed Embiid to play. He would have made Embiid come out every single night and yeah. play hard. And that's the thing with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, I love his game. You know, he he's a dominant force. You know, these big guys, because, you know, big guys are dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no more. I mean, they're not existent. The big guys now are guards. And But this is a guy who can still dominate the post, you know, and you, you see him on the perimeter way more than what he should be. I mean, if he goes inside and dominates inside, Boston has no answers for that. They, they can defend him on the outside, but they can't defend him on the inside. He spent a lot of time on the perimeter. I want to ask you, last thing about the current NBA, um, I'm going to screw up his name, of course. Victor Wembanyama, the seven yeah. Wemby, Wemby. Right? seven two seven four. <laughs> I don't know how tall he is. I, I like me, like everybody else, has seen all the highlights, and obviously he looks sensational. You know, I, when a guy's that big, you always worry. You know, is he going to get have foot problems? Is he going to be hurt? Obviously, he's going to the Spurs when as they win the lottery. So pop, pop, right? Pop uh. had Robinson. He had he had Duncan. Uh. Now he gets this kid. How, what's what's your impression? I mean, obviously he's been playing in Europe. He's a young kid. Everybody's going bananas. He's probably the most hyped prospect since LeBron, uh, maybe, uh, or maybe Zion Williamson. I don't know. What do you think about this kid? How good do you think he's going to be? Well, he's super talented. I mean, the things he can do at his size is unbelievable. I mean, he plays he plays like a, a guard. Uh, he can handle the ball. He can shoot the ball. He's a rim protector. I think the biggest thing that you worry about him. Um, is the physicality of the league. You know, he's got to mm-hmm. get stronger. You know, he's not very big, you know, but uh, he's going to be much faster. He's going to be he's going to be a tough matchup for people. I mean, you know, you look at you look at a kid like yeah. Bobo, you know, and, and I tell people, people laugh at me when I say this. Bobo is doing the same thing that Wimpy is doing, but doesn't get all the publicity <laughs> of it. He handles yeah. the ball, he shoots the ball, he he can he can pass the ball. He, he's a very, very similar player. So when you when you have – and I'm not saying that, you know, um, Wimby's going to be Bobo, but I'm saying they have the same gotcha. kind of skill set for being gotcha. big guys. Because everybody acts like, oh, you know, Wimby, that's the first time we've ever seen a guy doing that. Bobo's been doing yeah. it since he's been in the league. But, no, he doesn't get the fanfare that this kid gets. And and for him to land in, in um, you know, San Antonio – which you got to scratch your yeah. you got to scratch your head. Right. Like, how does that happen? How do you get three generational big guys in your in your storied franchise? Uh, Amazing, you know, career. How do you do that? You get Robinson, Duncan. Now you get this kid. Unbelievable. Was the was the balls cold? <laughs> I, I don't know how. To, did they have Did they have more balls than yeah. someone else? You know, I'm always oh, this yeah. conspiracy theory. And there was something yesterday. Somebody tweeted me this yesterday, which I thought was really weird. Now it's taken down. When uh, when uh, uh, Brian Windhorst was interviewing uh, Wimby in France for ESPN, 
And he said, he made a comment and said, well, you've been knowing you're going to go to San Antonio for three weeks now. So how does it feel? And he said that. Really? And, and then that's why everybody's like, wait a minute, hold up. It's, wait a minute. Is this rigged? Oh <laughs> I mean, how would he know that? No. How would, you know, yeah. and they took it down. They took it down. It's not on there. Wow. Now you can't find that. You that's can't strange. find that anywhere. That is very shitty. Yeah. That's like, that's one of those, that's one of those, uh, you know, those, uh, those things you scratch, like yeah. who shot Kennedy and, you know, where the, the grassy yeah. knoll and, you know, you know, it's just one of those conspiracy yeah. things. Cause it was really odd yes. that he said that, you know, and it was clear. He said, it wasn't like somebody right. did a voiceover. It was clearly his voice and he said it. And then the tweet just disappeared. Cause people right. got up this morning and goes, Hey, where's that? Right. Stacy, yeah. where's that tweet at? I was trying to retweet it. Da da da. And I, I was just like, I don't know. I said, but I don't want nobody to come in my house dressed like the men in black. And the next thing you know, I disappear. <laughs> so, Bull, Bull, at least you know I saw you, saw you. Me, baby. Last don't come baby. after him. Leave Stacey Pig alone. Yes, yes. If they come after me yeah. in, the, in the men in black suits, you know, with the sunglasses and the black jacket and pants and the, and the black tied oh white God. shirt. Yeah. Remember, I was in All good right. spirits I will. when you talked By the way, I love show. that old school Braves hat right there. That's. Oh, I got the I got yeah. the old school braids. I got the Atari uh, that's shirt a good on. Combo. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm curious. It is. You know, obviously you weren't on the Bulls by the time the last dance season took place, but you were a part of the team for a long time. You won three championships. What did you think of that documentary? Oh, well, I mean, yeah. it was entertaining. I mean, it was entertaining for the fans, and it happened at the right time because you know, yep. we were all being, you know, we were all being in our yep. house from COVID, you know, and we needed something, you know, something to kind of take our minds off of, you know, what was going on in the real world. And, you know, the Bulls have been such an iconic franchise because of Michael and those winning championship teams. Um, you know, that's what kind of what the world needed. I mean, and it reintroduced Michael to a younger generation who's always been, you know, pro yeah, LeBron, sure. you know, or Kobe. You know, because uh, a lot of this younger generation, their parents and grandparents know who right. Michael Jordan is. But a lot of these young kids just think he's the right. guy on the shoes. Oh, he's the guy that sells the shoes. They don't really know that he was a, he was arguably the greatest basketball player. So when they got a chance to see that and see Michael work and Michael play and highlights, it, it intrigued these younger kids. Now they started going, everything's on the Internet. So you can find anything you want yeah. about Michael Jordan on there. So they're probably, I guarantee you, there had to be millions of searches for Michael Jordan after that yeah. last dance and people trying to find out who he was and what he did and, you know, old highlight tapes. And I'm sure that their parents pulled out, come fly with me and mm -hmm. all those other things. And um, and he got reintroduced to, to people. And I think he has a whole different audience now than what he had uh, before, you know, because it's like, you know, it's, it's like that old adage, like, you know, what have you done yeah. for me lately? You know, we live in a day of social media now. We've got, you know, ESPN's 24 hours a day. You know, you got social media. Everybody's, you know, worrying about their brand. And, you know, you know, imagine, you know, we we grew up, we didn't have right. all that. Thank God, because, boy, boy, we'd have social media. A lot of people might have been in oh trouble. Oh, my God. I mean, I think about, like, when we were kids, because you and I said, well, how old are you, 50s? Yeah, uh, you're five years, but we're the same generation. I, I think about, like, when I was a kid, we would just, like, after school, I just go to the park for four hours and we just play ball or do whatever. Yeah. My parents never knew where the hell I was. Yeah. And now you never do that. No. 
<laughs> no, I mean we we would we would have we would have pickup games in yeah. other neighborhoods, and there was no guns, there was no you know no violence. It was just our neighborhood right. against your neighborhood. We'd get That's on our right. bikes, we'd ride 10, 15 miles on our on our bikes to go play another, see who yeah. had the best team, and um, you know whatever season it was. I grew yeah. up in Oklahoma, so yeah. football's king. So. Whatever the season was, that's what we were playing. So it was football. Yeah. We were playing football. It was basketball. Yeah. We was hooping. Um, but, you know, it was it was great growing up during that time because, you know, you didn't have all these distractions that these guys have nowadays. You know, when I was I was telling somebody this a couple of weeks ago, you know, they want to know what it was like, you know, in our era, you know, yeah. traveling. You know, we, we traveled the same way these guys did. We chartered. We stayed in five-star hotels. The difference is I, te- I laugh at my guys yeah. on, on the Bulls. They don't, you know, when they pull up to a hotel, if they see 30 people, they think that's a lot. <laughs> they get excited. Like, oh, yeah, look at the face. You know, 30, yeah. 40 people, they are, they get excited. I said, when I when I traveled with the Bulls, it was like it was like a rock band. You two, <laughs> Rolling Stones, you know, whoever the biggest rock band, yeah. that's what it was like. We were like rock stars. We would pull up in Utah <laughs> at 1 o'clock in the morning, and there could be at least 800 people outside the hotel and that was before you had security travel with you people could actually even if you didn't yeah. stay in the hotel you could actually be in the hotel to get autographs yeah. and pictures and now you know you can't the fans have to stand right. outside the hotel and they're behind the red you know the red velvet you know thing they can't get to you can't touch you and players you know it's really funny because like we were very accessible yeah. you know we were very accessible and i think that's the reason why the fans love that '90s generation because the players are more accessible. You know, Michael Jordan didn't miss games. Michael Jordan didn't sit out preseason games or load no, management or anything like that. Um, he showed up, and when you we have a preseason game in you know uh, New Orleans, and this might be the first and last time someone gets to see Michael Jordan and the Bulls play. Michael always, you know, made sure that he played at least two and a half quarters. Uh, in a preseason game so fans could get a chance to see him play live. And he understood that. He understood about, you know, making sure the hard-earned dollars that, that some families can't afford to come to games that he showed up and played. Yeah. You know, and, and nowadays, not listen, I'm not here to knock anybody for load management, okay? Um, I, I think the biggest thing in, in the NBA right now is, like, we were, I was talking to Phil Jackson. He came on my show uh, last week. And one of the things that we both agreed on, this the, the teams don't practice enough. Like, they just show up for games and play. And that's why we believe – that's why I believe you see a lot more injuries. You see a lot more – you see soft yeah. tissue injuries. Now, there's certain things, you know, bull you can't guard against. Sure. A sprained ankle, a hurt knee. But hamstrings, groin pulls, you know, those kind of muscular soft tissue injuries – you know, that comes from really not being in, like, really top physical shape as far as the conditioning that you need to be in a right. basketball game. And, you know, you go back and look at the 90s, guys were not missing games. Guys were playing 82 games on a regular basis, and we practiced every day. I mean, Phil, would, we would play three games in four nights, and we would practice, you know, and Phil would say, okay, look, we're going to go hard for an hour. Okay, we're going to go hard for an hour. Let's go hard and let's get out of here. So we would go hard because we know right. we want to get out of there. But we would practice all the time. And you don't see a lot of practice time with these guys, you know, because they got all these doctors now. These teams travel with, you know, therapists. They travel with sleep deprivation people. 
monitor sleep. You got analytics people telling you, you know, hey, you shoot more threes, you're going to win a game. Yeah, that. I mean, a monkey could tell you that. You know, <laughs> I mean, you put a monkey in a coach's suit, he could tell you that. You know, of course you shoot, you shoot threes, but the, but the, but they're not telling you if you're not hitting them, you're not going to win. Yeah. So you got to hit them first. You know, yeah. so uh, the game has changed. I, I would like to see more. In my opinion, I'd like to see more. Uh, it's going to take a coach to come in with a with a '90s yeah. mentality but be able to adapt that style into today's game. And I think it can be done. And it starts, in my opinion, on the defensive end. Because if you look at the teams in the playoffs right now, you know, the the final four, those teams play defense. They're they're elite defensive teams. That's the reason why you're seeing them in the finals. You know, the Lakers had to go out and go get some other players. But you bring in in a Vanderbilt – who can guard anybody on the floor. He caused Steph Curry problems in that series with his length and his athleticism. So these four teams really get after you defensively, and that's that's what I'd like to see a little bit more of is teams uh, focus more, a little bit more on defense, a lot less on the three-point shooting, but more fast. All right, Stacey, let's wrap it up. I want to talk about your podcast, and I also want to talk, I want to talk a little food okay. real quick. So first of all, okay. Best barbecue, Kansas City style, like North Carolina style, or or Texas style? I guess. What what's your favorite? Kansas City, Kansas City. Okay. Kansas I agree with you. I'm not a, to me the North Carolina style is not my favorite. I I, I do like Kansas City. Yeah. I like Texas barbecue. I'm not as much in the Kansas yeah. City and Texas go one and two. Um, I would say, I mean, Kansas City's been yeah. doing it the longest. That's if you true. Ask me, I mean, they they just have they created yeah. their own style. They have their own bar, the Kansas City barbecue, KC barbecue sauce, KC masterpiece. They got all their own stuff out there now, uh, but still, though, I mean, those, I mean, you know, Texas yeah. is really good too. Uh, but I, but Kansas City, if you ask me, they they are New York pizza or Chicago pizza. <laughs> Come on, man, Chicago, man, <laughs> Chicago, man. Come on, you can't yeah. beat that deep dish, bro. You can't beat. Now listen, I'll t- I'll take it. I'll take some yeah. New York slice. Don't get me wrong. I like I like yeah. New York pizza too. Those two places, honestly. Those two places, the only place I like to eat yeah. pizza. Any, anywhere else, I'm not eating nowhere else. If it if it's not New York yeah. or Chicago, you know, I don't really mess with it. I don't. It, I'll, eat, I'll eat somewhere else, but I won't you know, eat it's pizza funny. anywhere else. I'm, I'm born and raised in New York. I live in Cleveland for the last 12 years. Born and raised in New York, but believe it or not, and I generally agree. I love. I do love Chicago style. I love New York style because that's what I grew up with. Pequods in Chicago is my favorite place. Oh, the best. Oh. Yeah, Pequod's Pequod's is rated yeah, number one here in Chicago. Uh, with oh. the cheesy crust, the cheesy. You got to go at an oh, off man, hour because it's always believe. packed in that place. Uh, <laughs> it's always packed. It's like a little hole in the wall place. I always get mine yeah. to go. So, like, because I can't. It's not enough room. You can't get. I don't think you can get more no, than twenty no, no. people in there. Um, uh, Lou Malnati's has always been like the, yeah. the number one for like years, um, and I still like Lou's. Lou's Lou's is Lou's is so good. You could you could mail yeah. someone pizza That's from right. Lou Malnati's. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And and the difference between Pequod's and Lou Malnati's is Lou's tastes good the second, third, That's true. fourth day. Okay, Pequod's. And I love Pequod. Pequod's is really That's right. You got to eat it fresh. Pizza. You got to eat, eat Pequod's fresh. like right. Eat it fresh. If you if you looking yeah. for a second day, that's true. You might like, That's true. Nah, nah. Now I got to ask you this. One. So I had when I was like. 28 I was starting my career I had I had done some minor league baseball stuff and I w- they flew me out to Oklahoma City I, some well I flew into Oklahoma City and then they took me to some small town it's been like 20 something years so I can't remember the name of the town 
but I had never been to Oklahoma before. I'd been, like I said, I grew up in New York. I went to college in upstate New York, so I had never been to Oklahoma. They brought me to this small town. The guy who ran the radio station takes me to this restaurant, and he goes, you got to get the chicken fried steak. And I had never even heard of chicken fried steak at the time. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? So let me ask you this. And I got it, and it was pretty good. I don't know if this was a, a particularly great place or whatever. Is chicken fried steak, is that like a big thing in Oklahoma, or is that just something that like tourists talk about or whatever? Is that a big thing for you or no? It, it's, a, it's a big yeah. thing in the Southwest. Okay. So you're, you're talking Texas. Uh, yeah. you know, Oklahoma, those, those that's yeah. big there. Um, with the white, did you have the I white did. gravy? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So there's certain places in Oklahoma make it yeah. better than other places. Um, you know, uh, Oklahoma's big on like, you know, calf fries and stuff. They, things that you would never yeah. eat somewhere else. Cause you'd be yeah. like, Oh, I'm not eating that. But then when you go there and you try it, you're like, Hey, that's not bad. Like, you know, Toby Keith has a restaurant. So every time we yeah. come to Chicago, and Toby's a friend. He, you know, he's a, he's a big OU supporter. So every time I yeah. come to town, I always go to his restaurant and eat. And so I had some of my friends, and then you know, I said, "Hey, I'm going to try these. I want you to try this appetizer." And no one knew what it was. <laughs> you know, no one knew what yeah. calf fries was. So, so, so I ordered it, and they were like, "Oh man, this is really good." You know, this is oh man, uh, what what is this? What is, oh, I want to get this. Did they make this in Chicago? I'm like, "No, nah, they don't make this in Chicago, bro." <laughs> This is all this this is all this is like a southern kind of uh, yeah. uh delicacy. So they asked me what it was. I was like, it's cow balls. And they were like, Oh no, no. They were trying to spit it out. They're like, I can't believe you made me eat that. I'm like, hey baby, you never thought balls would taste that good, boy. Those good balls. Oh my, was that good, huh? Wow. Oh, it was awesome. You know, because it's gotta it, it's gotta be seasoned, you know, yeah. seasoned properly. Uh, you know, li- listen, I'll, I'll, I'll always, I mean, I grew up yeah. with that kind of stuff. So I'll always try something like I've yeah. had alligator, you know, you know, for every, every time you eat something that's not, that's not like what you're used to eating, like chicken or steak, but I always want to say yeah. it tastes like chicken and uh, right, frog right. legs and stuff like that. Yeah. Nah, they don't taste like no yeah, damn yeah, yeah. chicken. <laughs> Stop lying to the people. That's Stop funny. lying to the people. Frog, frog legs. Yeah. Think about frog legs. Like, you know, I had, I've had frog legs like yeah. in Kansas city. And the thing about frog legs is you get frog legs come in, they're sauteed, they're, they're fried, crispy, and everything. The thing about them is so creepy is they're still popping and jumping oh. on, the, on the plate when you get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That's a, yeah, that's not a, that's not, when you see that, oh, man, I can tell you a story, dude. I've been, I've been to places, I've been to China. Yeah. I was on vacation in China, and uh, these, some of my friends took me out to a sushi restaurant. They say, you like oh, sushi? No. And I'm like, I like cook sushi. I don't learn, like the raw stuff. So they yeah. took me to this restaurant and uh, they gave me some soup and they said, oh, you don't like this soup, this soup, you know, yeah. you like calamari because oh, no. I like calamari. But it wasn't the calamari <laughs> that I'm used to eating, sure. the fried calamari, you know, Mariana, yeah. Mariana sauce. So they bring me this bowl of soup and it looks like a, like a beef broth type of thing. It's a dark soup. So I'm like, okay, where's the calamari? Like, I don't see any calamari in there. And all of a sudden I see the <laughs> soup moving, you know, and I'm like, you gotta be freaking kidding me! So, so I take a spoon and I scooped what I thought was alive in there, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And it was a baby squid, and it was calamari. I said, "This is calamari. You like calamari?" I'm like, "Oh hell to the no! Y'all can eat this. I, hey, I'll try. I'll try yeah. everything once. Oh but I ain't trying this. God. Forget that." So the dude, so the dude took the calamari, he took it and just popped oh. in his mouth and ate it. I was just. I was like, okay, I'm done. Uh, it, you have a cheeseburger? Anybody got a cheeseburger or a pizza? But no, I don't want anything oh live God. on it, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I'm willing to try most things, but I don't think I could have eaten that either. I'm with you. 
Yeah. Nah, uh, nah, man. Nah. Stacy, let's uh. let's wrap it up with the podcast, the hot sauce podcast. T- tell me all about it. Tell tell and tell the fans where they can hear it. Yeah, we we um we started yeah. during the COVID um, you know, time because you know, we were bored and I got all my friends, I got my the people that I yeah. wanted working on it and uh we built it up, you know, we grinded. Um, now we're on a network and we got sponsors and, you know, we have a blast. We have great guests. We got, I think we're a hundred and almost 130 nice. episodes in, you know, so, uh, a lot of podcasts have, you know, come and gone in the same time, you know, and I think the key to, to having a successful podcast and you, you can attest to this is you got to keep yeah. your material fresh and That's you got to right. have a good time. You got to yep. make people laugh and, and they want to, you want to make people tune in because, I have a huge following doing sure. Bulls games, you know, and so people love my broadcast and the energy that I bring every night. And then I, I got a comedic mm-hmm. part of it, too, you know, um, and I, I kind of say things that you are thinking on your couch sure. when you're watching the game. And yeah. I keep it 100. You know, I mean, I, I, I say, you know, what's out there and, and what I see. And I'm honest and brutally honest. And when you live in a sports town, people love that. You know, people love for their, their guys not to be. It's one thing to be a yeah. homer. But it's another thing to be a homer and not see what's really going sure. on out there and painting a picture that the audience is saying, nah, right. that's not what's happening. Yeah. You know what I'm right. saying? So uh, on my podcast uh, and, and as I do on broadcasting, like I'm unfiltered and I have fun. We have fun, you know, and we have some of the, we have great guests. Last week we had Phil Jackson on and we, you know, we kind of grilled him on his comment about the Black Lives Matter right. and the bubble, him not watching. And he got a chance to clarify, you know, Phil doesn't do a lot of interviews. Sure. You know, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. And so we were very fortunate for him to come on my show. And I wanted to give him the form to, yeah. to explain himself, you know, because I know, you know, I know Scotty and, you know, said he was racist and and, and the comment that he made. I know people are going to, you know, assume like, yeah, you know, he's a racist. Scotty said he's right. Phil's not racist. He's not a racist at all. Sometimes he, you know, he's the smartest guy. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And he has a he has a sense of humor that some people don't get. It's like, like you and I can say yeah. something when we're funny. Okay. Then you have the guy who's kind of geeky sure. or nerd that says something. And everybody looks at him like, what did he say? Like you, right, you don't right, get right. the joke. You I don't get you. the joke. And so you, you just kind of yeah. dismiss him, you know? So Phil's one of those guys. He's like one of those super smart guys that tries to be funny and it didn't come off funny. And that's not something I'm sure he probably regrets it you know, how it came off, but that's something you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be uh, out there and, 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 you know, making, making light of something sure. that we all thought is Absolutely. important, you know, I mean, quality and, you know, the police brutality and, and, and everything that the, you know, the black lives matter thing was, was going on, you know, you can't be making light of that, you know? So I think, I think he took a hit, but he got a chance to explain himself on my podcast. So, you know, and it's different too. We're not just sports. You know, we we have all kind. We have mental health people come on and right. talk about mental health because there's a lot of people out there, bulls. You know, you know, you know, athletes now are starting to come out to the forefront to talk about it yeah. because you know, athletes are looked at as being superhuman, like we're supermen, like nothing ever affects us, and you know, uh, we don't have we don't have things that go on our lives like everybody else. You know. As athletes, we got you know we have we have death in our family, we have sickness in our family, we have things we have to deal with just like everybody else has to deal with, um, you know. But we don't get to we don't get to grieve like everybody else does, you know. We got to go right back out there and right. shoot that basketball, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, so so it's good that 
athletes now are not afraid to come out and say, you know, that they're, they're, you know, they're feeling a certain way, you know, they're depressed and <clears throat> they're trying to get help. And it's a lot more out there now than what it was when, when I played. Yeah. And it's good to see that, you know, people are more accommodating to it now, uh, not just with the athletes, just with anybody, man, anybody who needs help, because you never know what someone's going through behind closed doors. And so you have to take that in consideration. And, and I think if the, if the world, you know, treat people, everybody treated people like you wanted to be treated, we wouldn't have any problems. Well said. I mean, I, I agree. I think, I think DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love, especially those two guys came out and really talked a lot about, you know, dealing with depression and stuff like that. I, I think that's huge. It's, it's uh, because, yeah, I mean, it's like sports and the military and it's like, we don't talk about these things. We, we got to be all bottled up. We're no. men and it's not healthy to do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the big thing as men, because we don't you know, we've been taught from a very young age, you know, especially when you play sports, you know, rub some dirt on it. We don't cry. Get up. You know, we've been we've been programmed and wired uh, to be machines yeah. and we're not machines. We're human. We have we have bone and tissue and hearts and we have you know, we, we we're like everyone else. And so. Uh, you know, I'm glad to see guys like DeMar who, and, and Kevin Love, who are superstar players in this league, uh, come out and say things because there's a lot of young kids out there right now that need yeah. to hear that, you know, that there's nothing right. wrong with you. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. So you don't have to, you know, commit suicide. You don't have to do something dramatic because, hey, your favorite basketball player is going through the same thing you're going through. And this is how he's right. dealing with it. And it gives it gives kids avenues to say, hey. I can go get help yeah. for this. You know, I can go, I can go talk to someone, you know, other than my parents, I can go talk to a therapist and, and work through this, you know, so it gives you options. And it's great to see that because as you know, sports is, is, is a big, big, you know, part of the fabric in, in America, no. you know, all the sports are. And so, you know, everybody, that's the one thing that keeps everybody right. happy is sports. You know, no matter what's going on in the real world, people want to tune in on Sunday to watch football. People want to tune in to watch the NBA, you know, finals. You know, it, it doesn't matter when all those are off. People are watching cricket. I mean, people just yeah. love sports. So uh, it, it's it's a big time fabric in American sports. And I think as long as everybody continues to push forward and, you know, keep, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. And I think if people do that. We would not have the problems that we have in society because at the end of the day, and I tell people this all the time, I don't want to get political, but at the end of the day, you know, when we, when we leave this place and we have to go to the pearly gates, okay, there's not going to be a, there's not going to be a line for poor, rich, black, white, blue, green. We're all going through the gates together. So if you call yourself, you know, you're a person that believes in God, you know this. So uh, I, I would, I would really implore people to start treating people the way you want to be treated. And then if they don't treat you that way, then you X them out of your life. You just, you just, you know, disengage with those people because like I said, there's too much violence going on and, and too much stuff going on. It just makes you every single day, man, you just scratch your head. Like yeah. when is this going to end? Stacy? Well said, man, I, I could talk with you forever probably, but we're, I appreciate you so much taking the time, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on the show, bull. You're in the bullpen with Adam, the bull on the Bet Rivers Network.
Man, it was awesome talking with Stacey King. I was going to hit on a couple other things, but our conversation with Stacey King went so long that that's it. Hope you enjoyed the interview. We we laughed. We cried. We, I mean, I, I'm not eating any live food. If I go to China, I'm not eating anything that's living in my in my soup. Definitely not. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for Stacey, uh, Stacey King for joining me today. Monzo for producing, as always. Uh, I'll be back on Friday. You've been listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull part of bet rivers see everybody thanks for listening to the bullpen with adam the bull on the bet rivers network